This is Gateway City Sports. Cardinal fans to another episode of the turn into podcast episode number 17. I do believe the series with the Cincinnati reds is now complete and we're back at it. I got Tito with me. Tito was at the game today. Tito, how was it? It was honestly a perfect day for baseball. The weather was great. Um, it was my son's uh, first game. He's two. Um, so to be able to, to share that with my wife and my parents, um, you know, as a dad, it just, it just, uh, was very special for me and I'll, I'll never forget it. So I know that I text you whenever you were there, did, uh, did he get some food on my behalf or what's the scoop? Oh yeah. He definitely had nachos. He had chicken tenders. He had a little bit of hot dog. He had some pink lemonade, uh, didn't partake in the Budweiser. So, uh, he saved that for me. <laughs> good you know i'm glad you spent 150 dollars at the ballpark today on food and food only honestly honestly uh it was about for like my parents myself my wife and and leo it was about a hundred dollars worth in food so <laughs> you're not you're not far off here wow well i mean yeah it was a great day david bell got ejected but we'll jump into that man overall the cardinals swept the reds in three games the rotation looked absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, I told you last time out that I think this club was getting ready to turn it around and they didn't have their blowout win and they still got it done. Um, let's head into game one. What did you take out of game one that, um, that uh, stuck out to you? I, you know, I think the the big thing that you can take away from game one uh, is, you know, I, <laughs> uh, KK going 5.2 innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts, zero walks. Um, was very close to a quality start, but, you know, in spirit, I'll probably give him one anyway. He was just that good. Um, and then, of course, Yadier Molina continued to do what he does best, and that is just be uh, the best catcher in baseball. I think the big thing that um, if you're really going to sit here and, and nitpick is just that, wow, those ninth inning jitters. And again, we saw it today and I'm sure we'll talk about it again, but those ninth inning jitters and, and just the inability to really get uh, three outs and, and just be efficient um, in the ninth was, was just probably uh, uh, not favorable, but a win is a win. They got it done. Um, and you walk away um, thinking to yourself, Hey, they didn't have to score 14 runs to win a game. So you'll, you'll like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, hats off to uh, KK for getting his first major league hit. Uh, 
Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> but, I mean, hell, hell of an outing from him. I mean, second That's game what... out, second game out, and um, he, I mean, he's he's progressing along, just um, as we would like. And yeah, I mean, they got it done. That that ninth inning was a little worrisome, worrisome. But um, you know, overall, it was a great win. Yeah. Um, and this is what we are needing. This is absolutely what we're needing. And you know, we we forgot the most important part of that game one, and that was finally. Finally, oh. Mike Schilt, Mike yeah. Schilt finally stopped and listened to the Turn Two podcast. I think he did. And I think he did. Carlson in the two hole. And he, he didn't disappoint. No, no. And look, and, and we can, t- well, when we do kind of like a, a recap of all of this at the very end, because there's a lot of Dylan Carlson in this series and rightfully so. But the, the point of the, but the point that you're making here is this, right? For weeks now, for weeks, Cardinal fans have been saying, please put him in the two hole. Please put him in the two hole. He is a very, very prototypical two hitter, right? Patient at the zone. It's got power. He's got speed. You know, he's a very, very high caliber player. And the fact that he wasn't being put there was very concerning. Now, what, you know, earlier in the year, I said that, yes, um, Dylan Carlson in the seventh hole was fine, but that was because the Cardinals were putting up runs. So then all of a sudden when they're not putting up runs and you and I have this, uh, you know, have the debate on whether to move him or not, it was very evident that Mike Schilt needed to do something. And I, and I'm, I'm saving my, my little, my little spiel about Mike, Mike Schilt for later. But the, the point is, is that he finally decided to do something and it paid off. Not only did it pay off, you know, in that very first game, it paid off literally in the entire series. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things is, and that like a lot of people don't realize about Carlson is, is he is so used to batting in the two hole because I mean, that's what he did in Springfield. I only assume that's what he did in triple a too. I mean, regardless of his, his power that he does have, I mean, his, his batting average is going up. I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know, his, his, um, Yes, he's got three home runs. I was expecting maybe another one or so between the last one, which I think was the Grand Slam, mm-hmm. and um, this point. But I, I can't complain at this point. You know, he's got a couple triples in the book now, um, double um, as of today too. I mean, he's hitting good, and yeah. um, I mean, this is what we've been asking for. And you know, um, I mean, we'll jump into it later. But you know, like today, Goldschmidt and Arnado, you know, they didn't, you know, they're not providing anything. But my God. You know, Tommy Edmond and Dylan Carlson are doing work at the top half. Yeah, the one-two spot. And let me let me say it again. And I said this on a tweet in a tweet. You know, at the very beginning of the year, Tommy Edmond is the prototypical leadoff hitter that the Cardinals have never had in I don't know how many years. Probably since Fernando Vina. Um, and I'm being very, very serious about that. He is every bit of the player that you expect him to be at the top of your order. He swings at good pitches. I mean, my gosh, today he was just incredible at the plate. I know he had some bad swings later on in the game, but that first at bat, he took that first pitch and then he just rocketed a first, that second pitch fastball into right field for base hit. And he just, he knows what he's doing. And when you can put, Carlson behind somebody like Tommy Edmond who has speed boy the opportunities for Dylan Carlson and that one through four portion of the plate and when Yachty comes back one through five is very very dangerous and teams should be very afraid of what the Cardinals can do should those five first five 
really, really turn it on. Yeah. And I think one, one thing that I'm kind of like, uh, like to separate is like the fact that like you have a Tommy Edmund, Dylan Carlson duo that are on base machines, they've got speed, but mm-hmm. they also do have pop in their back pocket, you know, but then you get into your three, four guys who are absolute, I mean, they're monsters at the plate. You know, they are, they're, they're MVP caliber players, you know, they're all-stars, you know, they, they, they've been there, they've got stuff done, um, you know, and then you, like you said, you get into Molina and I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, there's always something with Yachty. And um, so, you know, that top five is just absolutely insane to me. And, and the cool thing, like, especially that I noticed today is like the fact that, you know, the three, four guys didn't really produce. I mean, yeah. Uh, Goldie got that, that RBI in the first, but you know, outside of that, you know um, I mean, yeah, and this is the thing. If you go back and watch today's first inning, to that first inning was about as typical as you would expect the Cardinals, you know, one through five to be um, with the configuration that they're in right now. Edmund gets a base hit. Carlson bits a base hit, and Edmund goes to third. And then all of a sudden, you get an opportunity for an early inning RBI against the Reds, arguably the Reds' best pitcher, and you score right off the bat. That already puts a lot of pressure on the Reds to say, you know what, we've got to score a run. And guess what? They haven't been doing that until the very late innings of the uh, of in during the entire series, right? Um, especially coming off a shutout in the in you know in game two, they weren't scoring that much. Um, and I've I've got to tell you, when you know as a pitcher like Jack Flaherty probably knew that that Eugenio Suarez was struggling so poorly in this series you're thinking with you know what i've got a ton of confidence at that point because my offense is going to carry me and i just have to pitch and boy did he but i know we'll get into that but this configuration of the lineup it spoke a lot of a lot of volume and and i've got like i said last week i've got a bone to pick with i had a bone with to pick with mike schilt um and i'll i'll save the rest of what i have to say about him later but it's just nice to see that he, you know, made a change. And as I told you, um, imagine had he not changed it until May, where would this team be? Yeah. I mean, thank God that decision was made. I mean, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, we'll, we'll jump on to game two. One of the things in game two, you know, that I noticed was, um, you know, Gant, another spectacular outing. Mm. And then the, the, the absolute, defensive vacuum that is Tommy Edmund at second base. I mean, there, there wasn't much offense to speak on. I mean, no. Carlson had another three hit game should have been a four on base game and or a four hit game. Um, but you know, three hit game yesterday, absolute defensive vacuum uh, at second base, you know, and, and, and I guess, I guess in my head, I had fear that, that we were going to be lacking in that department, but Tommy Edmund has not, has not failed to impress me yet. And like you just said earlier, the offense that we're getting at the top half of the lineup from, or from the one spot from uh, Tommy Edmund has been absolutely insane. I, I can't, I can't hate it. I can't hate it at all. And I, I'm telling uh, you, he's been our best player this year. Yeah. And hands down. And once, not question. once Goldie gets into rhythm, once Arenado gets into more of a rhythm, I feel like he, he came out the door, you know, blasting but once he gets more into a rhythm this offense is going to be i'm going to say it i'm going to say it because i'm a homer (laughs) but but i think that that 
we have one of the best offenses if they are clicking in the majors. I mean, it's, I mean, we saw, we saw, you know, little splashes in the flashes in the pan of, uh, of the young the other night, you know, and once it starts getting better and, uh, you know, God willing, I hope Harrison Bader comes back and, and he's, you know, a different guy, you know, and I, and I think I've been pushing for this, um, you know, a couple of years back when he roasted me, but, um, you know, I'm hoping he comes back and he's hitting the ball. Um, he might be your most improved player. Three no, years. I won't. No, let's not. Let's not get there. You know what I'm saying? Let's not get there. But no, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I think this team has so much potential, and I think this is what we've all been looking for. Yeah. So um, yeah, and I'm and I'm going to throw these this two cents here with John Gant and how he pitched. I mean, look, when you when you start out as poorly as he did, and improve each time you go and pitch, you're just getting that much better. And, and I think about what he said in his post-game comments of, you know, I'm just glad to be able to pitch for a couple hours instead of 13 minutes. This dude just wants to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and that you can appreciate uh, to, to a certain extent because just throwing a ball doesn't really cut it. But this dude wants to just pitch. And he's doing it very well right now. And if he can continue that success – and the Cardinals starting pitching can continue their success right right now. As I told you um, or, or later this evening, if the Cardinals pitching continues this, it's up to the offense. And we were just proving that the offense can hang around and not have to work, rely on 14, 15 inning blasts, but they can hang around as long as they play solid defense and they play consistent offense because the pitching will be there. Now, obviously we have some worries, worries with the back end of the bullpen all of a sudden, which I, which I was touting as the best seven, eight, nine in the national league, probably in MLB. Uh, but all of a sudden it's become a big, big time question mark because you've got two games in a set of three where you had bases loaded <laughs> and a potential to lose the game. And I'm, and you know, that's a lot of pressure. Um, and we'll talk about that in game three. And, and, and I want to point out a comment that you made about Alex Reyes later, but this pitching from Gantt has just been superb. And I think a lot of people uh, will start to take notice, um, but for good reason. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think touching on the Alex Reyes situation real quick, I think for me, um, you, you know, it was very nerve wracking game one, game three. I, I was at the point, honestly, today in game three where I was watching it and I was just seeing a, a home run or a hell grand slam go over the wall. I, and and I, I was told, nervous, but I told my dad, I, I'm sitting next to him. And as Eugenio Suarez is coming up to the plate, I told my dad, I said, I would not be surprised if he hit a home run right here. And he damn near did. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, it was it, it was nerve wracking, and I think you know one of the things too though is 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 it, the 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 role of closer is is somewhat I to me is very new for Alex Reyes. Um, you know that's it, it's it's a different beast, and and I think Adam Wainwright has spoke on that before that um, you know it's something that a lot of people can't can't do because it's it's so different from just coming out in the sixth or seventh or eighth and pitching. You know it's it's you know everything's on your shoulders at that point in time. Yeah, I look, 
as we as we said, you and I talked about it, right? Um, maybe it's a t- it's a it's a fatigue factor. Um, the bullpen has been used quite a bit because starters were not being consistent enough and they weren't going long enough. I mean, I think that has played a role in certainly in Giovanni Gallegos' uh, uh, pitching. Um, and it's possible that it's affecting Alex Reyes because remember, this is a guy that's, you know, hasn't been throwing that much in, in game uh, because of injury. So mm-hmm. to expect him to be just this lights out closer, um, that's a lot of pressure, but it's nice it would be nice if Jordan Hicks could compliment him, but let's not pretend that Jordan Hicks isn't also facing his own um, issues at the plate right now, because that's two appearances in a row where he's given up a couple runs or one, one or, or more um, and walked people. So it's not, it's to the point where you have to start asking yourself, okay, how do we get to a point where we not, not necessarily trust them to manage their bullpen and, and be able to get three outs because that can be very difficult. It's get them to a point mentally that they say, you know what, instead of thinking to themselves, how do I get these three out? It's I'm going to get these three out because that's what it takes to be a closer is not necessarily how you, how you're planning to get these three out because yes, that's part of the game, but that's not how you should be when you are ready to pitch. When you're ready to pitch, it's I'm getting these three guys out and I'm going to do it well. So I think that's part of the mental aspect that's missing. But personally, I saw some, um, I saw some mechanical issues with Alex Reyes throwing, um, I'm not a, I, I'm no expert, but I know that whenever the, whenever he's throwing high, that usually means he's living, he's leaving, he's dragging his arm behind him and he's not pitching downward on a downhill slope and it's coming out of his hand too high in the slot. So I, I really think if you, if we looked at the tape and looked at how he's pitching, I think that is part of the issue. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of it, sometimes people think that it's because Yadier Molina is not behind the plate, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, you pointed out a, a tweet to me, what was it, yesterday, where Kisner's caught, uh, what, four shutouts or two, three shutouts or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so this notion that it's just, it's Molina, you know, not being behind the plate because these pitchers can't, you know, control or anything, that's a bunch of bull. Because I'll tell you what. If anything, you should be you should be perfectly fine with whomever's catching in the Cardinals organization because they're being coached by Yadi or Molina. So um, I, I don't buy this whole it's not Yadi, so that's why they're struggling. No, it's it's mechanical issues, also confidence issues, and and you know again as we've said earlier, it's early, um, and once he gets used to this role, I think he'll be better. Um, but I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about Reyes, um, as long as he's getting the save, right? Because at the end of the day, he didn't give up any runs. He didn't give up the lead in Friday and he certainly didn't do it today. Now I got to tell you, I did, I was, when I was at the game today, he did get hosed on a, on a call by one of the umpires. Um, and when I saw, uh, what cards GIF uh, posted on there, of where it was in the zone, I don't know how these umpires are calling balls and strikes. I really don't. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, it was kind of uh, – I think it was a change-up low in the zone. It was either a slider or, or, or it was an off-speed pitch, definitely. But it, it definitely caught, you know, above the knees. But, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's 
I think I think once Alex Reyes can settle in, and um, you know, I think honestly, God, I think uh, you know the transition from uh, game one and game three. You know, yes, game one there's some runs scored, but game three, you know, um, he didn't allow anything, you know, and I think it's it's a learning process, and you know, luckily this is you know still early in the season to where he can get into the groove with that. But I think, I think he'll be an excellent closer once he takes deep breath, settles in and all that. Yeah. And, and and we'll go back to a point that we made earlier this year. And that is when it comes to playoff time, you can't walk people. You really can't. Yeah. That's, that is a no fly zone for any starting, not necessarily starting pitcher because that might happen, but it's really for whatever reason, Walks in the playoffs are just you, you might as well pencil that in as a run scored because they are just the ultimate damage counter that you could possibly put on as a reliever. And just, you know, that's just something to look prospectively, right? Not necessarily right now as he's still getting used to everything, but prospectively when the playoffs come around, you would hope that that's not the case, that Reyes can go out there and shut the door. And, yeah, he might give up a hit, but that's because the, the hitter, you know, you know, was able to beat him at that point. When you give up a walk, you're, you're just you're – not nobody's beating you. You're beating yourself at that point. So it, these walks will eventually go away, but it's got to start now. You can't wait till September – in October to get figure it out. You want to figure it out now so that you have a better chance in the playoffs. Absolutely. And um, I mean, let's just head on into game three. Sure. Um, you know, another three hit game from, from Dylan Carlson and Boy, you, <laughs> I mean, you I, loving yourself, huh? You know, I, I, I was, I was, like I said, anytime, every time Carlson gets uh, a hit in the two hole, you get your wings, man. I, 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 it's I, just I, a fact. yeah, I, I do. But, um, I mean, other positive notes out of the game today. I mean, another amazing outing by Jack Flaherty. I mean, he's he's trending upwards every start. Four and zero on the season. Yeah, four and zero. I know. I know. I know. Wins technically don't matter for a pitcher, for a starting pitcher. But man, it, it's telling you a little bit of something, something that he's getting these wins. And yeah. uh, another another you know eye opener is the two home runs by uh, Tyler O'Neill. And and what happened with the first one? Whenever you were at the game. Yeah, absolutely. So when Tyler O'Neill came up to bat, I just had uh, this feeling in my head. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I turned to my dad and I said, "Dad, I think Tyler O'Neill is about to hit one out." And sure enough, um, it was uh, a fastball on the outer half of the plate, and that bat speed, man. I, I saw the replay of it after uh, after I got home, and you know there are very few people that can do that. That's what makes baseball such a difficult sport to play. Right. I think we could, we can all understand that uh, hitting a fastball, a major league fastball is probably the hardest single thing to do in a sport um, because of the reaction time that you need to have, but to be able to put, put the swing that he did on, you know, on a 95 or plus mile an hour fastball on the outer half of the plate and hit it almost 415 feet. Um, in the right center gap, that's impressive, especially for a guy who's coming off of the from the IL um, and who really wasn't doing much. I mean, he was striking out a ton. Um, and, and, you know, I, and I told my dad in that same, you know, right before that home run, I said, if Luis Castillo, lay, you know, 
hangs a slider to Tyler O'Neill at some point in this game, it will go out. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened in his second home run. Um, he, you know, Castillo puts a slider out over the plate, didn't have any break, and Tyler O'Neill just swatted it back out to, to right center again. And I mean, if you can get that production from Tyler O'Neill in the bottom half of your order, you're again, as we you you and I know, that offense becomes very very dangerous because of the ability uh, to hit from one through seven instead of just one through five, and we talked about it earlier this year. Lineup flexibility matters. That's why Carlson was where he was because Mike Schilt needed lineup flexibility, but the moment became too great for Mike Schilt. So he had to move Carlson. Now with Tyler O'Neill back in the mix hitting well, you have a lot more options. And now if Bader comes back, what was it? Seven to 10 days, I think from Friday, you know, you're going to start to see this, this probably where this outfield, you know, becomes, you know, the bane of our existence to the, uh, to just an absolute flourishing uh, core. Um, and hopefully that's the case, but a lot of it's going to still ride on Tyler O'Neill and Bader's shoulders, I think. Yeah. I mean, I hope they can produce. Cause like, like I said, like hell, I've said, you probably said it too. You know, if, if they can get going too, this lineup is super deep. Yeah. It um, is. And it would make for exciting baseball again. And I, I, I think that, you know, I, I would like to toot my own horn and a lot of people would too, that I hope that this putting Carlson in the two hole really complements the offense and keeps everything rolling. Um, and let me say this, you know, Luis Castillo is a really good pitcher. Um, I don't think anybody should be fooling themselves into thinking, you know, ah, he's not that good. No, he's really, really good. He's got great stuff. And the Cardinals would take him in a heartbeat on their rotation. The thing is, is that when, for whatever reason, I, it feels like, and you probably agree with this. It feels like when the Cardinals are facing somebody's best pitcher, they're usually game on and they're ready to go. But when it comes to lower pitchers or, you know, uh, three through five, it's it's a very hit or miss situation. But the Cardinals came ready to play today. Um, and, and a 5-2 victory to, to sweep the series and put the Reds um, in last place, and not only just in last place, but to keep them on a seven-game <laughs> losing streak. <laughs> Woo! Talk about the best team in baseball. Let me hear it. Yeah, and I think like um, I, I've noticed, I heard a funny stat yesterday that um, Cassianos has, I think, six or no, maybe it's six home runs, and five are at or no, at, five or five are in Cincinnati, and one is yeah. away. Yeah. Like that, that's kind of eye opening. So, I mean, what are the? I mean, they're they're not going to win every game at home. They're not going to win every game on the road. But at the same time, if they're not hitting on the road like they are at home, they're going to have some very hard problems um let me tell you this let me let me put it to you this way eugenio suarez who is their usually their what fourth hitter um struck out four times on friday four on friday he also struck out i gotta get to it because it's it's actually very impressive he struck out once again one time on in game two and then he struck out, I think, three times today, two times today. So that's, what, eight, seven strikeouts in a series from your fourth-place hitter? 
fifth place hitter. Eesh. Yeah, they're, they're, that's not very good, man. Yeah, the, the, that's they, not very good. The wheels are falling off the bus already in Cincinnati, and they were yeah. they were hyped after the uh, first two series. Um, can, can we can we can we talk about the Jonathan India thing, please? Well, I mean, I don't think there's really much to talk about. Nobody. Here's what I think. I'll tell you my part on it. I yeah. think what had happened was. Obviously, Jack Flaherty had one hit at the present time. He was not throwing at anybody. I don't think anybody with a, with a smart baseball mind believes that he was throwing at them. But I think that Joe West, who I believe issued the warnings to both benches, was mm-hmm. preventing it ahead of time um, because I think he knows that, that there was already bad blood there, um, regardless if it was uh, intentional or not. So I think he went ahead and just squashed it right there so it wouldn't be continued. Now – with that being said, David Bell said, Hey man, you know, he got tossed because he said they threw at my guy. Are you not even gonna let me have the opportunity? And, um, I, you know, somebody may whine about it. I'm not going to, I mean, I understand uh, both sides of it kind of, but I mean, it wasn't intentional, but I think they just wanted to, to stop it before it got too far. And, um, yeah. So, <laughs> I'll tell you from a perspective that as somebody that was at the game, you could clearly tell that Jack Flaherty didn't mean to hit him in the head. Um, And typically when it comes to a fastball up in the zone like that, um, you're not going to be head hunting. I know that. Um, Normally when somebody gets hit in the head, um, it's, it just, it's a slip and your, your release point is too high and it is, you know, it happens, right? We've seen, Plenty of people get hit in the face. No, I think more recently, you know, um, like Giancarlo Stanton, for instance, um, that that's one that comes to mind for me. Um, but to, to sit there and think that that was on purpose, I think anybody who thinks that um, is a clown and should be called out as one. My my issue with David Bell here when he got tossed I'm, and I kid you not, I don't think really anybody realized he got tossed. Um, except for me. Um, but then he just blows up out of nowhere um, and just goes off on the umpires. And I get his, I get his frustration to a point like you do. Right. But the problem is, is that if, and this is, I'm going to give the umpiring crew credit here. When you're hitting somebody and you're retaliating and you can prevent it, prevent it. Because there's no reason for people to get hurt because you're taking, you're, you're essentially saying that, well, Flaherty threw at me. So I get to throw at them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Bush league thinking. That's mm-hmm. just pathetic thinking. And for David Bell to get upset because the umpires won't let him throw at somebody <laughs> is, is stupid. It is, it's right? stupid exactly. because as I said earlier, right. Or in, during the game, I tweeted, I expect no Nolan Arenado to get hit because he was the best. He was the next player that was coming up to bat and considerably the Cardinals best player. So, or consider that if it had been Jack Flaherty up at the mount or up to bat next, right? Ugh. What what would have happened if David Bell said, you know what, throw at that guy, throw mm-hmm. at Jack and he gets hurt, breaks a hand, breaks an arm. And, and that, that not only is that on the reds, but that's also on MLB for not, you know, that would have been on MLB for not taking that step. So I'm going to give the umpires credit here and saying, you know what, I'm de-escalating this now. I'm warning them. I'm warning you. I'm not going to do this funny business. Oh, but David Bell has to get all upset and fire his guys up. Look, David, 
If you're going to fire somebody up, how about you fire Eugenio Suarez up? Seven times he struck out and he didn't do shit for you. So don't, don't expect you getting thrown out of the game to fire anybody up. That's not, that's not how it's done. You know, it's the same way. Like, I think that when, you know, I don't, this is superstition, right? But when Mike Schilt's video came out with the Rose Arena um, and him cussing and and hooping and hollering like that, that's not Mike Schilt. And uh, the superstitious part of me says that's the reason why we lost because that's, he wasn't somebody that he, you know, that he was, he wasn't somebody that he was trying to be. So David Bell going out there trying to to push the but the the issue with his players and fire him up for whatever reason um, didn't just didn't work. And, and here's the other thing: then Jonathan India gets upset because Flaherty tries to throw over to make sure he's not stealing, and Jonathan India takes exception with that. And it's just like, are you playing the baseball game or are you still in the game? Because there's there's still outs to get here. So piss off and just play. And if you're going to be upset, David Bell, maybe you guys should try winning outside of your home park. I don't know. That might help. Yeah, and I think I think I think this will probably roll over into the next series. I don't know oh, who it'll be. I guarantee. I guarantee. But, if it didn't happen this series, that's a Cardinal player got didn't get hit. It will happen next series. Oh, I'm, I can't, I'm, putting, I, I, I'm putting money on it. I would. I would almost guarantee it too. And, and you know what's so funny about it is is neither one of the pitches have been intentional. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if you, well, if, if, you if don't somebody, know, if, maybe, if maybe Trevor Bauer will release another video saying it is. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, he, <laughs> whatever, whatever. About he's him. got he's got some ghosts going on right now. That's fun. Well, he deserves it. Anywho, <laughs> um, moving on, we got a four game set coming up with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies uh, again, mm-hmm. um, facing we're ending another season series with a team already this early in the season. Um, so what what are you looking for to uh, be? What what are your keys to the series for the Cardinals to walk away with a, a split three and or four wins? I'm gonna stick with what I said they needed to do this last uh, series with the Reds, and that's offense, consistent offense. You're getting it from your starting pitching. It's now time to continue the offense. You know, you know, 12 runs over the three games is pretty good, but they've done that in one game a couple couple different times now the whole point is is if you can produce consistently right four to five runs a game and actually deserve that four or five runs a game then you're going to put yourself into some winning ball games because there's not a lot of teams that will average that much right like the other day the over what on the cardinals runs was three and a half anytime i see that i'm thinking to myself that's got to be a shoe in right Three and a half runs isn't that much. But when you are a team like the Cardinals, who have been very feast or famine for a lot of this season, that starts to creep into your mind. But that's my point, is that you need to produce consistently in order to put yourselves in the best position to win. And that's what they did this series. Obviously, the the second game, they didn't score four or five runs. They scored two, but it was enough to beat the other team. And that's all you have to do. Yeah, I mean that that's literally it. You just have to score one more run than the other guy. And mm-hmm. um I think for me, I think my keys to to winning the uh the series with the Phillies is you know, keep the lineup how it is. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you Mike Schilt 
Mike Schilt tossed out the same lineup that put up 14 runs, but let's take the same lineup that is consistently winning uh, without any question marks. You're having success with it, and let's run with it a little bit longer. Let's let's run with it the rest of the season. Hell, um, and and you know, I, I think if the starting pitching can continue doing what they're doing and and giving the offense a chance, I think we're going to see something. Um, I would say the other half of my um, keys to winning the the series with the Reds would be, you know, bullpen being locked down form again. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to be important. Uh, I think that the, uh, you know, I think they had a little trouble with the, the wind maybe um, whenever they were in Philly, but, you know, I, I, I think this team is better than the Phillies. And they probably should have won that series last time, but you know they just couldn't pull it off. But you know, I like I said last time, whenever we ended it, I really feel like this team is is, is moving in a upward trend, and I think they can continue. But we just have to keep doing these successful things to keep wins coming. And uh, yeah, uh, as long as the bullpen doesn't have me questioning anything, you know, I, I think we're going to see some great things. Yeah, and and. Don't forget, Bryce Harper's on a tear right now. And if I am Mike Schilt, I'm, I'm watching this very closely. And anytime that I think that I need to, to put Bryce Harper on to avoid um, getting beat by him, I'm going to consider it because um, runs will be at a premium this series. We're facing their top three guys in their rotation. Um so there's, there's a lot of things that are, are in play here. So the Cardinals are going to see good pitching. So offense is key. Um, the Phillies offense is, is not necessarily uh, world beating right now, but they've got some key players that can do damage um, at just the flick of a wrist like Bryce Harper. So uh, your starting pitching still has to continue to be good. Your, your bullpen still, you, like you said, they have to, that's probably the, the biggest pitching question mark right now. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity. And I think what we, tomorrow we get, or tomorrow we get Zach Wheeler and Adam Wayne, right? So that should be a very good pitching matchup. Um, and then Zach Eflin and Carlos Martinez for game two, then you've got a, a very interesting, uh, and intriguing matchup with Matt Moore and Johan Oviedo in, uh, game three. And as you and I know, um, Johan Oviedo was very, very good in his emergency uh, start uh, after Daniel Ponce de Leon uh, imploded the other day. And then you finish it off with uh, KK and I think it's Aaron Nola, which um, arguably is the best pitching matchup of, of the series, um, at least in my eyes. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of potential uh, for this to be a split 2 2 four, you know, four game set. Um, but there is a lot of potential for the Cardinals to, to, to do a lot of damage here. And if you can take three of the four from Philly, I'll take that. Um, if you can take all four, obviously that's, you know, the most ideal. Um, but at minimum, you should get out of here with, with two wins, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, they can, if they can go toe to toe with Nola yeah. and, and, and maybe see some more pitches, get them out of the game a get them out of the game, period, um, yeah. get to the bullpen. You know, they might have some success, but that's important with him. I mean, he's a great pitcher that you can't take that away from him. Nope. But, I mean, I think if 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 we're handling – if we are handling Aaron Nola in that fourth game, you know, 
then uh, to, in my eyes, you know, things have gone really well in the previous three games. So absolutely. That's, that's going to be big, but we're, we're at home. Um, so it's going to be good. I feel when I, you know, like I said, I, I see this team continuing to trend upwards mm-hmm. and um, that's where I'm at, but yeah. um, and, and any closing arg- arguments? Yeah. I, I'm going to say this about Mike Schilt. You and I talked about it this last time. And obviously I had my huge rant about him over uh, the last episode on turn and two. And I, and I'm going to go on and say that for the record, I think he listened um, <laughs> because anything that I said pretty much came to be right. Um, you and I talked about this on game one. Uh, you sent me a text. And my response to you was, I'm wondering, and this is a particularly about the lineup. I'm wondering if that conversation between Mo and Schilt happened because at some point as a manager, you have to make a choice to make your team or put your team in a better spot to win. And the best thing that he did was move Carlson up to the number two spot and look how it played out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Who had that conversation? Because I, I guarantee you Mike Schilt was already thinking that and saying, you know what, I can't continue this. I've got to make some changes. But as I said in the last episode of Turning 2, if I'm John Mosellock, I'm not even waiting for him to, to make the change. I'm going down there and asking him when's he going to do it and pretty much telling him like, hey, you've got to change this because it's not working. And granted, yes, this is a, a three-game set against a team who had lost four in a row prior to this three games, who are bad away from home. But the point is, is that you have to go out and beat these guys. And, and Mike Schilt really, really needs to continue to be a better manager at this point because I'm still not letting him off the hook. He still has to be ready to go with his bullpen and he still has to be willing to make some changes in the lineup when he needs to. And that's exactly what you saw play out here. Now this whole Matt Carpenter situation, right with Harrison Bader coming back, there's no reason for Mark Matt Carpenter to play. It's not happening. It shouldn't happen unless you have a, a crazy matchup that you're really, really anxious to see. But even today when he struck out, my mom was just pretty much like, Oh, here comes another Matt Carpenter strikeout. And it's like, whew, geez, you know, my mom is a very, my mom follows baseball, but not as closely as my dad or my, myself or me. But when a casual fan can just sense that there's no reason to trot him out there. And Mo made some comments earlier, you know, later this, you know, at some point this weekend about Matt Carpenter's playing time. So, so Mike still, I'm telling you, if you're listening to this podcast, once again, continue to be a better manager please. Cause that's the only way this team is really going to start humming is that if you put the people in the right spots to win, you have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I think, I think Mike Schill did, did well with his, his bullpen this weekend. And, you know, I was getting a little nervous with the Alex Reyes stuff, sure. but you know what? I, I I'll be honest with you. I don't think, I don't think uh, Schilt and Moselec had a conversation. I really don't. I don't think they did either. I think, here, but I think he had, he knew he had to make a change. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you exactly what happened. 
Mike should listen to the Turner Two podcast. <laughs> and, and if you guys want to listen in and you guys want to subscribe, you can subscribe to the Turner Two podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Tito, if, if you're done, I'm done. We can close the ship down and go to go into tomorrow's series. Yeah, I'm ready. I got the MLB show to play. You do. All right, guys, you can have a good night. Let's go cards. <laughs>